We look at the destination, where are they going, who's going, and then what are they doing? With those three pieces of data, we can make a, a very informed decision as to what their security profile should be. You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well-being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats, from severe weather to a global pandemic. Let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast, where we discuss insights and ideas for how to protect your most valuable asset, your people. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld, and I'm joined today by Brian Cook, who is the Corporate Security Manager of International Security Operations at Marathon Petroleum. Brian, how are you today? Peter, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. It's fantastic to have you here. I'm looking forward to our conversation, and our focus today is around best practices for corporate travel safety. But before we begin, can you please tell our listeners just a little bit about Marathon Petroleum and your responsibilities there? Of course. Marathon Petroleum is a Fortune 25 energy company. We're the largest refining and logistics marketing company in the United States, coast to coast and international. We have 16 refineries, about 60,000 employees and offices and operations in six different countries. So a lot of international travel that we support and we're growing internationally and we're growing in our renewables sector as well too. We're soon to be the, the largest biodiesel refiner and manufacturer here in the, in the United States. And what's your role there? What do you do on a day-to-day basis? So I'm responsible for all security and business continuity for all of our employees, offices, assets, operations outside of the United States. So that is everything from our vessels that are picking up crude oil or delivering product, refined product all over the world and Middle East, West Africa, and all the risks we face there to our offices in Canada and Mexico and Singapore and other locations. So security responsibility for everything outside the United States with respect to keeping our people safe. And that includes our travelers. So you've got quite a big geography to cover. (laughs) Just the whole world. (laughs) Right. Well, can you give our listeners just a a bit of context and an overview of your career background and how you arrived at Marathon Petroleum? Sure. It's been a a fun and fascinating journey, and it continues, of course. I enlisted in the Marine Corps at an early age when I was 17 and studied. After and during my Marine Corps time, I studied criminology and criminal justice, uh, also Spanish in college. Ultimately, I became a special agent in the Diplomatic Security Service, U.S. Department of State, and spent 15 years there, combined with my six years of military service, overall 21 years of government service and public service. In my time with the Department of State, I served as chief of security to various embassies around the world and consulates. I also served a good deal of time on the Secretary of State's protective detail under both Secretary Rice and Secretary Clinton. I'm incredibly blessed and grateful to have the career that I've had. And now that I retired after 21 years of of government service, and now I've joined uh, the the private sector, and I have the distinct honor and privilege of uh, leading a great team of people here at, at MPC, you know, kind of overseeing all of our international security and and taking care of our people and keeping them safe. It's too bad we're limited on time and topic here because there's a tremendous amount of really good conversations we could have on your career. (laughs) 
I, I would love to have them. If that comes up at a later podcast, just give me a call, Peter. Perfect. <laughs> Recurring guest. I love it. Well, let's jump in. Did Marathon Petroleum have a travel policy in place when you first arrived at the organization, or were you really tasked with creating and implementing a policy? Yes, MPC had a had a travel policy. Most companies do have a travel policy, but the problem that we run into is those travel policies are really created to optimize business value and cut down on costs. And mm. very rarely do companies have a travel policy that takes into consideration any type of travel risk or travel security for the employees. The travel, whether it's in that travel section falls under human resources or admin or supply chain and, and that different company or organization, they're really driven towards cost savings measures. So their policies regarding travel generally don't factor in security or risk. So that was something we had to look at. A good example of that would be our, when I, when I joined the company, the, the travel policy treated Canada and Mexico as domestic travel, therefore not needing any additional approvals or review as most international travel would in most policies. Well, that's kind of like saying that, you know, Vancouver and Calgary are the same as Ciudad Juarez and Culiacan, Sinaloa mm. for, from a travel risk and approval standpoint, which is just really not what right looks like. Because <laughs> it's pretty obvious that there's certain places that are much more high risk that probably should take some review and should go through another process where travelers, you know, their their itineraries, their trash travel, their purpose for travel, their you know their itinerary, where they're going, what they're doing is is scrutinized a little more based on the risk level of the destination. So we had to change that and update some of those policies. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about that as a best practice later. Yeah, without a doubt. Can you give us some specifics about the scale of work for you and your team, considering the large geography you cover? Sure. We have, well, last year and the year before been a little bit uh, different because of COVID and the impact on business travel, of course. But COVID notwithstanding, and, and pre-COVID numbers, we're looking at usually our greater than 600 international trips annually that we support to medium and high risk destinations. So people are traveling to low risk places in, in Europe or Asia or somewhere else or North America. We, I don't want to say I don't count those because we do count those and we yeah. do provide a certain level of, of oversight for all international travel. But we've had typically over greater than 600 international trips to medium and high risk places where we get a lot more in the weeds on what are our people doing and how are we going to take care of them there. We usually have uh, well over 300 different international travelers annually. Many are repeat travelers that are, you know, because of what they do, they're the ones traveling internationally, but usually about 300 passengers that we support. And you know, we're moving into 2022. We're we're kind of getting back to those numbers. So, I mean, obviously, COVID impacted that, and you know, had an impact on business travel and slowed things down. And now we're starting to see it pick back up pretty quick. Yeah, no, that's great. What are some of the safety challenges or threats that you mitigate for your traveling workers? 
there, there are many, and I like to break it down. There's a lot that people don't think about as well. Obviously, we have common crime. When people think about travel risk, they think about, oh, I'm going to be in a city that I don't know, I haven't gone to, I'm going to get mugged in on the street or in a taxi cab, and those things do happen. So you've got your common crime that just occurs everywhere in the world. In some places, it's more prevalent than others, of course, and it's a higher risk. You have your health risks. You've got COVID. I mean, Primo health risk right there. I mean, and, and how those restrictions in different companies impact travel, et cetera. But you also have things like altitude. We have an office in Mexico mm-hmm. City and our travelers go down there all the time. But they don't realize Mexico City is at almost 8,000 feet and the air quality is you know, really bad there as well. Typically a lot of pollution. So if you have respiratory diseases or illnesses or you're sensitive to that, it can have a major impact on your health during that trip. So that's a risk. And then you know, of course, a violent crime, you know, if we're talking about places in, in Mexico and Latin America, we're dealing with drug cartels. Often business travelers and tourists are not the targets of violent crime, but they're collaterally affected by it, as we've seen in Mexico and, and many other places around the world. And then you've got straight up war. I mean, a lot of places we go to or, and, yeah. and travelers go to in general are actually active combat war zones at the time. So that needs to be looked at. Obviously, those are extreme environments and we we discourage travel there. But sometimes, you know, business travel can be critical and you need to go to places that are very dangerous to get the job done. So you've got war, you've got kidnapping is another huge risk that can be faced, especially in in Latin America. And then host government security forces as well. Uh, There's not every country in the world out there is, is friendly towards business, foreign investment, Westerners and, and or Americans, or they see, you know, a, a U.S. citizen traveling on business in their country as a representative of America, and they, they're going to want to you know, target them or hold them or detain them for political purposes or reasons. So that's a risk as well. And we've got environmental risks, earthquakes, hurricanes, tsunamis, volcanoes. <laughs> I mean, there's just so many risks that, that that are out there that can affect travelers and either just impact their travel or actually, you know, become a grave risk to that traveler themselves or a risk to the company. So we get into things like cybersecurity and IT risks as well. You know, there's that traveler, do they have proprietary information on their laptop or their phone? And are they going to a country or a destination or a location that that could be compromised from like a, you know, data theft, corporate espionage type of way. We've seen a lot of that stuff in the news media recently as well. And then we've got regulatory risks, things like FCPA, Foreign Corrupt Practices Act from the U.S. government. So if your travelers are going out to foreign countries, are they meeting with foreign officials? If they are, are they abiding by these regulatory rules and risks? You know, these regulations like FCPA, that if they're not abiding by these, that can create a huge regulatory risk for the company as well. So you know, everything from environmental and earthquakes to, you know, regulations to common crime are all these risks that really that face travelers internationally every day. It seems to me that a lot of people, at least initially, can be quite dismissive of what you're trying to do for them and how you're trying to protect them. And all it takes is one incident that they experience when they travel to have them do a 180 and suddenly really appreciate what it is you guys offer. How do you deal with that initially with folks? I mean, I, I can imagine people say, ah, I'm going to XYZ city. I'll be fine. I don't need any security. I don't need a briefing. How do you get through them? Well, the, you know, I mean, it, 
it starts with having good policies. For example, in our organization, you can't have uh, your you can't travel to a medium or high risk location unless you receive an in-person briefing from corporate security, you know, the international security team, my, my team, my group. So having good policies and procedures in place within your company is important, but also just raising awareness. I mean, complacency kills, you know, and we, us in the security world have been saying that for years, but it's also really hard to prove deterrence as, as well. So yeah. educating your internal customers, right? Creating a good program and then educating people about the risks that are out there. Conducting, you know, I think the key point is really having a great briefing program, which is what you can do to, and there's lots of ways to, to create one of those to educate your your internal customers, your travelers on what the risks are. There's a lot of different companies and platforms out there that have digital learning platforms and tools that have great travel risk management, little online courses that, that you can have your employees take, et cetera, things like that. So it's educating them as to the risk. Ultimately, uh, what I like to say and when we brief people, I say, look, here's all the things, here are the risks of your travel to this particular destination. I say, here's all the things that we do as an organization to protect you and keep mm. you safe on your trip. So you have a safe and productive trip. However, ultimately, at the end of the day, your personal security is ultimately your responsibility. Uh, I'm not going to be there with you in that high risk, medium risk destination where you're at. You're going to have to make decisions on a personal level as to what is safe and what is not safe. I will give you all of the information that you need to make an informed decision and we'll do everything that we can to secure you and keep you safe and secure in the environment. But ultimately, your personal safety is your is your personal responsibility. Well, travel security really is a huge topic with just a ton of different moving parts. So how does your team approach it? Yeah, I like to keep it simple. And I like to break it down and look at basically three things. My objective in my program that I've built is to you know, create a program where anyone in the, in the entire company who's traveling internationally, first off, we have awareness of it and, and we know they are. But then I, we look at who is going, where are they going, and what are they doing? Based on those three things, we can determine what the risks are. What are the risk levels? What, is, what are the risks to this person, to their, to their trip? And then what are the things that we can do to mitigate those risks? And there's a different, there's a spectrum of that. Yeah. You know, if you've got a, a, a low level, lower level or mid-level executive that's traveling to a conference in the UK is very different than say our CEO is traveling to Ciudad Juarez to have a grand opening event, big public event where they're going to be speaking at it alongside of the mayor and the governor. I mean, two entirely different risk profiles. Yeah. That being said, we have to look at, so we look at the destination, you know, where are they going? Who is going? What level of security may or may not be needed? And then what are they doing with those three pieces of data, we can make a, a very informed decision as to what their security profile should be. And that could be anything from they just receive a, an email with a, a, a pre-travel advisory that says, hey, here are the risks to health and safety and crime in your destination. Call us if you need anything. <laughs> that would be at the low end of the spectrum, right? And then at the high end of the spectrum would be 
oh, you're going down there. Okay, well, we're going to have, you know, armored vehicles and guys that are armed pick you up and transport you from point A to point B, and you're going to have bodyguards everywhere you go, right? So there's a whole spectrum and range in the middle there. Those are the two extremes, of course, but it doesn't exist in just, you know, one 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 realm it's you know a properly run and, and created program has a has a whole spectrum of of risk mitigation i think our listeners would be pretty interested in this so let's dig in a little bit deeper can you describe the process for setting up safe travel for your employees specifically like what are the steps from an employee getting approval for a trip through all the way back to arriving home from the trip how do the how do you go through this Sure. Well, you need to have awareness first that people are traveling, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. if, if you haven't set up the policies and, and the platforms and stuff in your organization to even know that people are traveling, then then you need to start there, of course. But once you have that, you, you realize people are traveling, and then we have a we have a, a international travel checklist. And if, say, for example, Peter, you're going to be traveling to Peru, you're going to Lima on a business trip, so you're going to go in, you're gonna fill out this international travel checklist. What that is gonna do is it's going to, you're gonna fill out you know, all your basic itinerary stuff, where you're going, what you're doing. And then that list will go out to all of the stakeholders. So that list will go out to corporate security and my team. That list will go out to health services to make sure that you have a health travel kit and any medicines you might need, any vaccinations you might need to travel to a particular country or destination. It will go out to you know our, our legal folks and make sure that you've received the FCPA briefing that you know, would mitigate that regulatory risk we mentioned earlier. So it goes out to all the stakeholders to make sure that all that's done, even IT to make sure that you know, you're, you're traveling with a proper device or you should or shouldn't bring that device, or maybe we need to just update your work cell phone to include an international program for mm. these dates or this month, all these little things, right? So it starts with that and make sure that everyone gets notified. I mentioned before that in this, you reminded me of this, uh, some people can be quite dismissive of, of this whole process yeah. and they just ignore it and they book a trip and they go without approval. What do you do about those folks? <laughs> every once in a while, every once in a while I have my, uh, and it doesn't happen frequently. If you yeah. have a well-run and well-built program, hopefully it, it doesn't happen frequently, but every once in a while we, we have that happen and my, my operations coordinator will call me up and say, sir, we, we've got a runner. <laughs> I'll say, oh, a runner. <laughs> we've got a runner. Where they go? And, and, and that's kind of our little internal term for when, when someone, uh, we realize that someone is outside of the country traveling on business travel somewhere, and we didn't know anything about it ahead of time. That's fantastic. What a great term. It's very rare. It doesn't happen often, but every now and again, we have a runner. And then usually we reach out to that runner and, 95% of the time, it's a new employee who just started, who doesn't know the process, doesn't know the procedures. They just started, they've been on a job a couple of weeks or a month and their boss told them, hey, go fly up there and meet with these people. And uh, they don't book through the company designated travel agency. They go out and just do their own thing. They don't even <laughs> use their corporate account or card to do it. And you know, basically they're kind of not in the system yet. So, and they're not aware of the policies and the rules. So I will say we've never had the same runner twice. 
<laughs> because they didn't come back or <laughs> no 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 we, we we made we made sure they came back we made sure they got home safe even if they didn't tell us they were going in the first place but no it's because you know through that process we educate them on on what the proper procedures is and more importantly what the value to them is as a yeah. traveler and honestly the employees really like it once they get briefed by my team and once they understand who we are and what we do and how we're tracking and following their their travel at every level whether it's just the itinerary or if we're actually tracking them via an app on their phone which is another type of thing that we can do and we use they're actually very grateful we've had really fantastic experience with our internal customers and they're they're very grateful they're very thankful for the information we provide and it makes them feel safe and it makes them feel like the company really cares about them and values them as, as, a, as a person, as a contributor, as a leader, whatever their role is, and, and wants to take care of them, wants them to, must make sure that they get home safe. Oh, that's really great. Well, in your mind, what are the fundamentals of travel risk management you'd recommend to any organization with traveling or dispersed workers? I would say that a, a properly run travel risk management program really resides on on three things. Uh, I like to say the a program equals people plus policies plus platforms. And you, you have to start with people. You have to have people who are experienced, who know the risks, understand risk and risk management and security. So you need professionals in that field and people who are also passionate about this. You know, shout out to my, my operations coordinator that I know that she doesn't sleep well at night or probably doesn't even go to bed at night until she knows that you know, that employee who is traveling out to that high risk part of Mexico is secure in their hotel or back, you know, in their residence and, and that mission is complete and that, and that they're safe. Mm -hmm. So having people who are passionate about this is important. And then policies, like we talked about before, the, the company's travel policy is huge. Company's human resources policies are huge. When we get into that, we get into duty of care. And then the platforms, the platforms give you the awareness. If you don't know your people are traveling, then how can you assess the risk of the location that they're going to or otherwise mitigate those risks? So using various different platforms that are out there that tie in with APIs to your, your global travel company, et cetera, that give you that awareness of where people are, where they're going and, and what risk events may potentially impact them or, or their travel. So people, policies, and platforms. Again, I like to keep it simple. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, that's fantastic. And I actually would like to dig in just a little bit before we end here on duty of care, because sure. it's a confusing topic for a lot of folks. For those of you unfamiliar with it, it's this both moral and legal concept that when someone is on your premise or you're responsible for them because they're an employee and they're working for you, that you have a duty to protect them. So a lot of people don't know how far to take that duty. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, fortunately for us in the travel risk management world and industry, we're in a very exciting time because as of a couple of months ago, there was a new international standard released, ISO 31030. So ISO mm -hmm. 31030, I call it. And that is the international standard for travel risk management. And prior to this, this ISO being released, all of us in the industry relied on a lot of experience and a lot of best practices and that worked and we have a lot of experience and we have a lot of best practices 
but this ISO is fantastic and it takes a, a lot of that experience, a lot of that best practices and it, and it codifies it in a way that if you were to join an organization or be tasked with creating a travel risk management program, this would be a fantastic blueprint for it. And it takes all of those best practices and just years of experience and knowledge of the industry and it puts it down there in a very kind of easy to understand way. These are the things that are important and this is why they're important. From a duty of care standpoint, like you said, it can be, it's both a, in some places, it's a legal obligation. There's laws in the UK, for example, that require employees to have and, and, and publish and, and have policies of duty of care, what their duty of care is for their employer. In the US, the closest thing that we have for duty of care is OSHA. And that requires employers to provide a safe workplace for their employees, of course. But I think a lot of times too, especially on the international level, there's, a, there's an ethical duty of care. Companies, especially companies that want to retain and attract good talent and, and great employees, they have to demonstrate, not just say it, but actually show through their programs, through their corporate security departments and, and what they do, that they value, they care about their employees and that they want to protect them, that they want to keep them safe, that they're, that they're both morally and ethically and financially invested in doing that and that they see the value in that. Well, we do like to close out each episode by asking our guests to provide the listeners with a piece of advice or some kind of lesson learned that they can take back to their organizations to make an immediate impact. So in your opinion, how can the audience improve their travel policies or travel risk management programs immediately? Start by building cross-organizational teams and units. If you are trying to build and manage and oversee a travel risk management program in your organization, and you're just trying to do that within your little corporate security world, you will fail. You need to engage all the stakeholders. You need to work cross-organizationally, typically with human resources, with legal, with supply chain, or whoever, you know, wherever your travel policy and, and, and travel department resides, health services, all of the other entities that, that are stakeholders that kind of have a dog in this fight, and more importantly, just really have value to add to this program overall. So work cross organizationally. And when you're developing this, this travel risk management program, keep in mind that security done right is a well-tailored suit. It's not mm. something just bought off the rack. So you have to look at every single traveler, who's going, where they're going, what are they doing, assess the risk, and then very specifically mitigate that risk to that traveler, that, that trip, that journey. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate all of your time, expertise, and advice. Thank you very much, Peter. I appreciate it. It was my privilege, my honor, and I'm very grateful for doing your program and this podcast and that you can spread all this good information and knowledge to keep everyone safe out there. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for participating and contributing. If anyone out there listening has follow-up questions or just wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to find you? They can find me on LinkedIn. That's Brian Cook, Brian with an I, Cook with an E. And they can connect with me through LinkedIn. Well, thanks again for taking time to join us on the Employee Safety Podcast. And for the rest of you out there, remember, nothing ever goes 100% according to plan in an emergency. So communication is incredibly important. If you can't communicate, you can't recover. Until next time. 
Alert Media is changing the way your leaders and response teams connect and communicate effectively when seconds matter. We provide our customers with a comprehensive solution for monitoring threats around the world and deploying fast, effective emergency communication. You need a panic-proof solution for high-stakes moments. In just a few clicks, your team can send a multi-channel notification to an impacted group of people and confirm their safety immediately. When employee safety is at stake, don't just communicate. Connect and confirm with a robust emergency communication solution. Visit alertmedia.com for more information. You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.